What's up, everyone? This is a bonus podcast, and it is basically showing you what is available to the Patreons. So uh, there's a hardcore group of individuals every month. Uh, they kick down anywhere from a dollar to 20 bucks a month, and uh, they really support this podcast. It keeps it going. And uh, I've been trying my best to create extra content behind that paywall. So basically, uh, this is an example of one of the Patreon podcasts that's been available to the Patreons. And uh, there's generally, you know, a couple of these a month. Um, I'm trying to do one for every single interview. So basically, anytime I interview someone on this pod, I uh, curate like a playlist and have a couple friends on, whether it's Daniel or Joe or Stu or Kim or someone. Um, we're going to have people on. We're going to go through the playlist. We're going to talk about the podcast and so forth. So uh, this is an example of what you get if you become a 185 mile south Patreon. Um, and if you're interested, please go to patreon.com slash 185 miles south and uh, you can sign up there. And I hope you enjoy this episode and I hope that uh, in the future you support the podcast and much love and thank you so much to my current Patreons. It is much, much appreciated, the support that you give this podcast. Thank you so much. Um, and here you go. I hope you enjoy this. Let's go! What's up, everyone? We are back on Patreon, and we are talking the Terror Podcast that aired this past Wednesday. Uh, Help me out today. Got Dan Sant of Over My Dead Body. Uh, that's the almost legendary episode seven. I apologize. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yep. And then we got the legend. You know him. Episode one, Joe Rivas. Hello. That's right. So this was an ambitious project that I took on kind Dude. of towards the beginning of COVID just because I didn't have too much to do. Um, and I wanted to push myself with some like audio editing and uh, and do something special for a band that I think is is really special. And like when you you know when you kind of they're like current and relevant, but they are also hitting like that legacy status. And I think it's it's hard sometimes to uh, to look at how bands are in like the history of things like while it's happening. Um, so. I'm plucking terror is like a super, super important band. And uh, that's how I wanted to treat it for like the terror episode. Um, so they were who I selected to do this for. And uh, I think it was a good choice. And uh, I really enjoyed doing this project, although it <laughs> took me a shit ton of time. I will tell you that. <laughs> um, well, it was worth it because I, I listened to it and I thoroughly enjoyed it. I appreciate that. Um, what yeah, if, I gotta say that yeah, the the overall enjoyment was top notch. I learned shit that I had no clue about, and I, I really really enjoyed it. Yeah, we and we've we've talked. Um, we'll, we'll keep this on terror. Let's let's talk about like the potential projects like at the end of this episode um, of yeah. of possibly t- touching on this format again. Um, right. But yeah, I think that. Uh, I think it was it was cool. It was ambitious. I learned a lot. Um, 
I mean, I had to sync all the stuff in because I, I listened to it all a million times in editing. Um, and it was cool because I got the Nick podcast out of it too. Because so originally, like I I had done Scott's like first half of his story up to terror, and I did a full pod a uh, full Todd podcast. And uh, so my plan was to do like a fifteen minute origin story on Nick, and then have it like open up into the terror story. But me and Nick went about forty five minutes on his origin story, and I just couldn't figure out how to like fit it into this episode. So then what I did with him was I did a second half, like talking about piece by piece and his engineering and stuff. But uh, I think it worked. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm really proud of it. And I hope that the, the patrons enjoyed it. If you do, if you did, let me know. Um, because like your guys' opinions are the ones that matter. Um, right. Yeah. So if you liked it, let me know. If not, then I don't ever have to do something like this again. Cause like it was really fucking gnarly. <laughs> Um, but I think well, great to tell you people are going to like it. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Um, but yeah. And so, so digging in a little bit to the terror pod, um, we created a playlist and everyone that is listening to this on Patreon knows, cause it's linked up in the, uh, the Patreon post. So we're going to go through this playlist and, uh, yeah, the first song I had to choose it. It's the, uh, it's like, I think Todd was mentioning it was kind of like their first, fully put together song. Um, there's some debate about what the first terror song was, but uh, he was saying that this is the one that him and Nick like really connected to. Like after they recorded it, they're driving somewhere and they're listening to it over and over and over again, which is hilarious because the terror demo is probably like six minutes. So it's like very easy <laughs> to just like, you know, listen to the whole right, thing on repeat. Like 59 seconds. Yeah. Yeah. But I feel that. And I connect to like that, that love of creating something because I've had songs in my past like that where it's like I in my car, like right when it's like, it's brand spanking new, you play it and then you just play it and play it and play it and play it and listen to it like 10 or 15 times. And I think that that's the most pure thing ever about yeah. being a songwriter and a musician, because if you don't love your own shit, why would you ever expect anyone else to like find merit in it? You know, and I have a really funny example of that. So I remember, uh, Daniel, you definitely remember. Remember the band, The Damage Done? Yep. Okay. So like they they were around for a while and put out a couple seven inches and stuff. And uh, and Kyle ran uh, Rival Records. It was then Rivalry Records. And when they were they finally like they were gonna break up. And I was asking Kyle, and I was like, because Kyle was a singer, and I was like, so why are you guys breaking up? And he's like. I just can't pretend anymore that I like these songs. <laughs> I was like, Oh shit. Like that's like the, <laughs> the realest reason I've ever heard for a band breakup. Like, Oh, you were pretending the whole time that you thought these songs were good. Like, but you wanted us all buy your records and sing the songs. Like that uh, sounds a little something's up here, you know? But, uh, I, I appreciate his honesty at the end. Anyway, I've always tried to not do that. And if I don't love my own shit, I'm not going to put it out there, you know? And, uh, yeah, so I sincerely love my bands. And I love both your guys' bands, so what's up? How do you feel about that? Yeah, uh, I listen to dog stuff or out-of-trust stuff every now and then and get stoked, you know, like, fuck, we really did good on that song. Um, and, you know, when Todd's talking about that part, I think Nick mentions it too. But, they, yeah, it, I... 
you know, as a musician, you can connect with that kind of thing and just go, yeah, man, that's fucking awesome. Yeah. Dano, you got, any, you got any songs you really connect to in your, in your catalog? Um, yeah, there's a few, I, I don't think any time that song will ever sound better than the first five plays in the car on the way home. Oh yeah. Oh my God. It's going to sound best ever then. Can you hear, can um, you hear the jets in my background? Yeah, I was gonna say somebody skateboarding next to you. Or no, it's from the fucking. Uh, it's the Air Force Base, right, Maybe. Miramar, Daniel? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They they usually run on Wednesdays, but they're doing uh, Monday tonight apparently. So sorry, um, I, Daniel. The first five times you listen is the best. I feel that way. Um, the song "Broken Back" that we did. I remember playing that song like maybe. 15 times like didn't even listen to the some of the rest of that recording like because i was so psyched on that song the very first time we recorded it for the uh death threat split i was so fucking psyched on it i, I actually loved our uh reagan youth cover as well which is less i suppose less cheesy to listen to because you're it's someone else's song that you're doing <laughs> i but, i don't think it's well, it's not cheesy at all. That's it, what I'm saying. It, uh, that's what I'm. That's, that's what I'm trying to get over here. Is like the the idea that like persisted for a long time that loving your own songs and listening to your own band or even wearing your own band's shirt is cheesy is total bullshit. If you don't believe in yourself, why the fuck should I believe in you? And yeah, wear your shirt. It's free advertising. You want people to like your band. You know what I mean? Like I wear my uh, businesses shit all the time. Because if I'm in fucking Vons and someone's standing behind me for five minutes, I want them to read my company name. You know what I mean? Like, why would I not right. want to get the free advertising? And so, yeah, like that get guy. That burnt, burned into their brain. Exactly. You know, same thing. Like, he can fucking stare at my shirt and know the retaliate is the best. You know? So, anyway. Um, but, yeah. So, Joe, I kind of blew it. And we were going we to talk about the episode first and then go into the song. So, um, we should actually do this pod kind of following your notes since you are the one that took notes. Um, so do you want to go into the song or do you want to, do you want to do your notes on the pod first? Well, no, no, no. My notes are mixed in with the songs okay. with each song. Like, like I just mentioned that bit about Todd saying that he liked it. This, the song, it was the first one that connected with them. That that's in my notes. So okay. you, and you brought that up yourself too, but it's, you know, that's something I heard and I thought that relates directly to the song. So that's, okay, great. Th- that's all I did. And, and the, my other notes just say sh- short and sweet and hardcore formula. Um, and then I really liked the, uh, there's a, a point in the song just before, I guess the, I'm going to call it a breakdown, although it's not really a breakdown. Um, towards the end of the song, like that transition where it's just the bass and drums. Yeah. Uh, if you know where I'm talking about that part, yeah, they I, I cut out. Like, they cut out. Good. They cut out. It's just vocals and drums, and they come in with the bass, and then they go into like a two-step breakdown part. It's perfect. Yeah, that part is just fucking awesome. Yeah. Well, yeah. you know what's funny about that part, and uh, funny about the discussion of where they were talking about—is it going to be indecision or is it going to be bridge nine? It's like literally, I don't even think the demos have been really passed around yet. But I got a terror tattoo 
of that line, I gave everything because a, when I heard that song myself for the first time, it resonated so hard. It's about giving everything for hardcore, you know, like what is not to understand about that when you're especially so immersed in it at the time. Um, and so that was the thing I was joking with Todd because Todd and I were very friendly at the time. And I was joking with him, like, I'm getting this terror tattoo, so you have to sign the indecision. And he was like, yeah, yeah. And up until that point, I think they all were like, yeah, you know, signed, like, they were going to sign to indecision. And then uh, at the last minute, they didn't. And I'm like, I've got this tattoo, which I'm still psyched <laughs> on having because this song is incredible. And you did give, you did give everything you you compromise your morals and let in control get drunk on country club liquor in your house. Yep. So that's right. And I gave everything. I gave a, a, some real estate on my arm to a terror tattoo <laughs> before anyone really even heard that song. That's Plus, like a, a pre demo uh, terror tattoo. That rules. Yeah. <laughs> it's a. Uh, you know what though. That um, the impact of the demo is is talked about quite well on the pod, you know, like they they discuss that people were really feeling it and stuff. But it was a it was a sea change, uh, not like a sea change, because straight ahead, fast, aggressive hardcore was the you know one of the one of the flavors of the day. Uh, but nothing quite captured the zeitgeist so quickly as the Terra demo. Yeah. You know? So, so, and, and I think we talk about this in the pod as well, but if you would just step back a couple of years, um, terror and buried alive, excuse me, carry on and buried alive, even though being sonically kind of similar in that they're fast and aggressive have breakdowns, um, and both hardcore bands, they're in somewhat adjacent scenes. Like that, like the carry on scene was like different than like the heavier hardcore or what some people would also call like a tough guy type scene. It was totally different. Yeah. And that's like one of the biggest things about terror and also about uh death threat and especially death threat doing uh, the, the repress or the, the first vinyl pressing of piece of security on bridge nine is it was like a convergence of those scenes. So all these people that only liked, you know, the in my eyes um, type bands, it's like, Oh, it's okay to like death threat, you know? And same with terror. It's like them merging that together. There was a lot of people that like, didn't touch that other kind of hardcore. I mean, I did all that war and buried alive in Oxnard. There was fucking 30, 40 people there. You know what I mean? Like it, like it was just a different scene. Um, and I really think that terror and death threat brought them together. And it's kind of like the start of hardcore as we know it now, where there is like, there's not all these different like sub genres. It's just like hardcore. And it's, it's yeah. the, the, the bubble is very big when you think about what gets called will, hardcore now. I will say uh, other factors in bringing those things together is like, American Nightmare touring with Every Time I Die and things like that as well, you know? 
Um, because you know what was funny is like when Todd and uh, mainly Todd was talking about that, that the scenes were in two separate things. The one thing is over my dead body by being, you know, indecision family at the time, we, we played both scenes often, you know, we played with bleeding through and throw down and, you know, and adamant, we played adamantium's last show at the showcase, you know? So there was some thing, but there also was some, a closed doors and B closed minds, you know, where it was like, Oh, I, I envision that the door is closed. So I'm not even, well, I mean, look at carry on seven inch, uh, labels, fuck California. Yeah. You know, stupid. Fuck California was because all the big bands in California at the time were kind of metallic hate breed ish bands. And, you know, the more youth crewy stuff, wasn't getting an equal share of the kids. Yeah, agreed. But that was it was that was dumb though because our scene was like great. Um, but yeah, I mean, my point is that like everyone's ready for the terror demo, right? And it's like everyone likes it. It's like a universally liked piece of music, no matter who you are, right. you know, for a multitude of reasons. Everybody was primed to accept that. Yeah, and they're huge out the and, gate. And this is your time to and, say, Daniel, that uh, Overrunded Body played the first show, even though you're not on the flyer. Yeah. Yeah. I, now you make. When you told me that, you made me question it like crazy, but I, I mean, I'm absolutely positive we played that show. Yeah, I'm sure you did. And Joe, that yeah. that night you were helping me press the covers for In Control Plays the Hits. And that's why we missed Terror. <laughs> but we went to the show afterwards. Right. So which is the Pat's Warehouse show where Dave Dog and Robert were having the, the brawl Dog. to end it all in the parking lot? <laughs> I can't remember, but that story is the greatest. I think I I told it on a podcast. Here Daniel say Dave Dog is fucking <laughs> amazing. Yeah. <laughs> That was that was one of the greatest stories of all time because like Dave Dog like basically punked Robert for a pizza, and then Robert felt really bad about himself, and so he went back to the van and got a baseball bat, and he was like chasing Dave Dog around with a baseball bat like around the parking lot and shit. And yeah. then, then Dave Dog Dave Dog finally realized he was like, "This is just Robert chasing me. Like I'll fuck him up even if he has a bat, you know." And then he just stopped <laughs> and he's like, "What are you gonna do, Batman?" What are you gonna do, Batman? And then finally, Robert just Robert just fucking dropped the bat and ran. <laughs> so I remember just asking you, like, at the time, like, who are these? I knew Robert, obviously, but I'm like, who is this guy, and what is going on? <laughs> I was like so confused. And then when he told me his name, or Ryan told me his name was Dave Dog, I'm like, oh my god, yeah. now I'm sold. It's just one of those. Shake your head at people like, oh my god, damn it! Dave Dog rules. Um, but yeah, and R.I.P. Robert Martinez, a fucking yeah tragedy. Um, but yeah, okay, so that is the song "Life and Death" off the Terror demo. Everyone, go listen to it. Uh, it is in the playlist, and then we will move on to the first Terror LP, 
lowest of the low. And uh, the re- you know, like I chose Life and Death because I was on the demo and it's one of my favorite songs. Um, it would have been hard to choose two songs off lowest of the low. Um, but I chose nothing to me. I fucking love this song. I think it's perfect. Just the way it comes in. Dun, 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 dun. Very like mad ball bouncy. And then oh, to yeah. go into the verse of just like the open strumming and then like keep the same like notes going, but with like the, the speed picking Fucking yeah, brilliant. the triplet picking. Yeah. yeah, so brilliant. And then, uh, you know, <laughs> and it's like Todd can choose how truncated he wants to make the song or not. Like, for instance, Life and Death, I think, is just like verse, bridge. Seconds. Yeah, it's like verse, yeah. bridge, breakdown, and then like a quick little end on it. But this one, he could have easily done the same thing of like intro, verse, like, and then that intro, outro thing. But like to put it. But he did a second verse, and I love that. Yeah. Like, there's just like, and it's like back end of the second verse, like, same shit. It's just like, fuck yeah, dude, keep it going. Um, this, well, this song you, rips. You have put on this like playlist of what we're going to touch on. I think my favorite three terror songs are the ones right out the gate one, two, and three. Like, I'm so psyched. And it's interesting that you, you know, talk about the bounce because this is like kind of hold it down has come out and, and this is like a kind of testament of Todd being such a fan of that. Also not to discount the fact that Nick and Scott, you know, had such a, you know, they would discuss these songs. So yeah, Todd may well have written them and and come up with all the parts and everything. But I think like they were formed as a band of them talking like maybe the reason it there is a second verse on that is that Scott's like, No, I've got more lyrics and I want it I want it to come back in and then we'll build it to the breakdown, you know. Yeah, the energy is so good, we just want to keep this going. You know? Uh, like, it's rare. Could, could be anything because that's one of the other things that like I preach on this pod sometimes is it doesn't matter if you're like the least like you give the least input to the band. Like let's just say no, no disrespect to bass players, but like, let's just say you're the bass player and you're not a songwriter. Um, you're just there to play your instrument. Like you're still backing every song you're putting your name on it. Yeah. So even if like, you're not the songwriter, you're still stamping your name on it. That you're saying like, this is a dope song, right? Cause like, if you think like your name's attached to it, if that song sucks, you know, like you had your time to speak up and be like, hey, maybe we should like cut a minute off that song or whatever. You know what I mean? Like you're still vouching for yeah. it. So it's just that every member in a band is important. Um, and that's kind of, I think, what you're getting at, um, Daniel, is that like even if Todd wrote it, it's still got to go through the Nick filter. It's got to go through the the Vogel filter. Right, right. Yeah. You know, and that's why you and have a band. Have such a, go ahead. They have such a mission statement that the way the band was formed, it was like, Scott's like, I'm only coming back to sing in a band if it is this, this, and this, you know? And all boxes get ticked on this demo and on this first LP, like, beyond ticked, you know what I mean? Right. And the lyrics to this are so great. Like, build your image, if there's substance inside, I never have, never will, all that shit means nothing to me. Like, 
Yeah. Just <laughs> smashing like the fashion. You know, Todd talked about it that they were like kind of going at fashion core and stripping right. it down to real hardcore. But yeah, fake people stuff. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so it's this so good. yeah, this song rips. And then uh, next on this record uh, that I chose is obviously Push It Away, which is like, you know, it's hardcore, but like there's still hit songs, right? And this is like, this is a legitimate hardcore classic now, you know? And I love like, you know, sometimes we talk about how the second Madball record um, demonstrating my style is like an underrated positive hardcore classic because actually if you like look at the lyrics on the record, like they're very positive this song is pretty positive. Like it's just keeping the bullshit away from you, you know, like push it away. And it's like, that's a very cool spin on like saying something like this. I think, um, just absolutely brilliant. And the song is great. It's just high energy, mid tempo. And then bouncy chorus. Yeah. Yeah. Bouncy chorus. And then like the mosh part of the end is huge. And then to pick it up back to like same riff but mid tempo, um, you know, it's terror in this in this era. They're not going for the huge breakdowns. In fact, they're just like always just trying to keep the songs like as high energy as possible. Um, yeah. They're not doing like a big slow mosh or anything. It's like everything is just based on keeping the energy going. It seems. And the other thing I wanted to say um, that I took from listening to these first three tracks, one of the the things that makes uh, Vogel a great singer, um, which is like the opposite of what I do, my approach is he really lets the song breathe, you know, like there's like parts of like, he just like won't sing on a part of the verse kind of, cause he's like setting up the chorus, you know, um, it's, it's a really cool, unique style that comes off really confident and just like, confident in how dope the song is that you don't feel like you need to put lyrics over every second of it. Um, right. I think that's rad. Well, <laughs> these riffs are so fucking good. You've got to hear them without something on them as well. You know, like I, I am a, a, a Todd Jones stan, <laughs> especially this era of songwriting, like coming out of carry on into this, like, some of the best hardcore songs like writing ever, in my opinion. It's so fucking good. And it's interesting that you say you feel the lyrics are positive. I feel like they're extremely negative, except for he's refusing to be in the negative mire, you know, but it's basically saying the whole world is shit. And I am stuck here, but I'm just pushing it all away, you know, which can be, you know, I suppose can be looked at as a positive, but it's just such a bummer that there really is that much shit in the world, you know? Yeah, you just got to push away, though, dude. So stay the fuck away from me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll give you I'll give you that part. But uh, yeah, Joe, what do you have on this stuff? Uh, uh, you know, I said the bouncy part. I really liked how the guitar, the, you know, it does the drop out in the riff. Uh, well, one guitar drops out and it kind of does this sort of. Yeah, there's a little stereo piece. Yeah, and then and then the chunks, 
those chunks are really cool. I thought that was neat. Um, you know, it's not that it's that the song is super groundbreaking, but it's just done with a freshness that's that 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 I think was missing from hardcore in general at this time, because everything else had you know people were just mimicking everything else, and this is not a mimic. It is. It, it certainly has the elements of of I'm going to say old school hardcore, but you know what I'm trying to say. Um, it certainly has those elements, but it's not, it's not just a, a carbon copy, you know? Yeah, definitely. I think what, what is so effective is that it is taking something that is bouncy, very death threat, very uh, mad ball, hold it down, but it's also mixing it with right the DNA of, of carry on and just the blazing speed and the, um, yeah, like like basically Scott says on the pod, like we love you know all death threat hate brief, but we also love the Revelation Records catalog. You know, we or is it Todd that says it? I can't remember. But they talk about wow, these are all our influences, and I think Terra fuses it, especially early early Terra fuses it in such a way that it's just undeniable. Yeah, because it's catchy. It's so catchy as well, you know? Yeah, and, and so much hype coming off the demo and then just totally delivering on this this record. Um, and, and Mars recording. Yeah, from Mars in Cleveland. Um, yeah, this is just a universally loved record. You know, I've, I've never in my life heard anyone say anything bad about this record, which is a, a testament in hardcore when people fucking nitpick everything, right? Um, yeah. Yeah, I've never heard sure somebody somewhere talking shit, but whatever, they don't matter. I've never heard anyone say anything bad about it. If they, if you listen to lowest to low, like from start to finish, you're like, oh, I'm a believer. <laughs> yeah. I, regardless of like if Bell and Sebastian is your favorite band or if uh, Slayer is, like you're fucking with it. Yeah. Uh, American hardcore classic, dude. So. Let us go on to the next record, um, one with the underdogs, and we. I talked a lot on this about like, so just worried about like the follow up because we talk about uh, Lois Lowe being like universally loved. There is such an expectation for the next record. Um, plus, they're dealing with the idea of Todd leaving, although Todd is going to write this whole record. Um, so that's just, I, I can't imagine that dynamic in a band, um, you know, having like the main song writer leave, but he's going to do one more record. That's just got to be so well, fucking wild. At the time, if you l- listen to the pod, like it wasn't going to be just one more record. He was going to write with them all the time, but the tensions kind of crept in to where it became, this is the last record I'm writing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, is what a crazy, crazy dynamic. So, the songs I chose off this are one with the underdogs and spit my rage, and uh, again, like these, these actually I spoke on it too early. These are two songs where like Scott really lets the song breathe, and I, uh, I love them. I think these these two songs stand up to the first record. Um, yeah, Joe, what do you have on these songs? Yeah, yeah, so. You know, they talked about uh, 
how disappointed in the overall recording they were with this record. And I can understand uh, where they're coming at from that um, because it doesn't sound like, like you hear, you hear those first two songs that you selected from, from the first record and even the demo. And then you hear the songs from the, from the next two. And it, it definitely sounds different than those. The music is the same, but the production just sounds a little bit empty. So, so um, I, 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 I get what they're saying, but that doesn't change the fact that these songs are fucking great. They're great songs. It just doesn't sound as, as uh, open or punchy. I, I, I think Scott said something about punchy. Um, and, and, and I get what he's, what, he's, what he's getting at there. But the, the songs are fantastic. Yeah. Um, yeah, the breakdown of Spit My Rage. I mean, get out of here. You know, Dude. The, the speed, the, there's that Todd speed picking, you know, but dropping it to yeah. a different tempo, very like Raining Blood-esque. Right. Yeah, well, that's that, that was my note on that song because I can hear I can hear Slayer in this, but done at a different um, uh, tempo is not the right word, but you know what I'm saying. Like, there's a different feeling to it. It definitely, <laughs> yeah, the the attack is different. Yeah, than than some hardcore band that just ripped off Slayer riffs, which is a bunch of them that we know of. Well, you know? yeah, and that's that... different. And that that's kind of what you're saying when you're you're a little tongue tied earlier trying to like say like this is like it's classic hardcore but you're trying to not like call it generic because it's not and I think that no like, no yeah like trying trying to explain like what makes terror and especially this era so great is that basically like you have a band you know the combination of Todd and Vogel. You know, like the experience plus like Todd just being like a super fan and a sponge. And, you know, at this point, you know, he's he's been in a hardcore a fair amount of time. Um, it's like they are pulling from so many different yeah. inspirations, right? Like they're they're pulling from like a wider range of influences than most bands, but then also able to like fully hone even, it in. Yeah. You know, like there's even Cannibal Corpse bits in there. Uh, maybe not this particular song, but you you know what I'm saying. It's like 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 Todd draws all that and then makes it his own and then presents it in this fucking awesome package of these songs. Right. Yeah. I mean, it really is okay. like a modern take on like such a a litany of influences. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's it's absolutely great. Daniel, what do you have on this stuff? Um, I think it's really interesting to hear about how they thought the record was so thin. And then when, you know, I've gone back and listened to this after them describing how bad they feel the music was recorded and mixed. And I fully agree with them. And Vogel saying that the vocals kind of save it. He sounds amazing on this record. He sounds so fucking good that he's up against Isaac and Jamie Haybreed and he houses them on that song. And um, the vocals are turned up so loud to somewhat, I, I don't know if it's to mask that they don't like the way the, the things sound, but it just comes across as this like 
absolute force. Um, but the songs have hooks. And you know what was interesting was hearing Scott talk about how much he hated the artwork because I hated the original artwork. <laughs> I I didn't get it. I was a guy like found in a basement like as an under I, and I just didn't like the graphic approach to it at the time and um, it was really interesting hearing that. I also do remember when this came out or when like I had been given like the music early to like listen to to, to um, see what I thought that it didn't I didn't catch all the songs like I did in Lowest of the Low. Well, basically, all the piecemeal terror releases up until that point, um, where each song, like, there was no was no filler. Do you know what I mean? Whereas on this record, there were some songs that I, I just didn't grab right away. Almost, for lack of a better term, skippable at the time. But... Um, Going back, I, it's a really, really fucking amazing, solid record, like, throughout. But I do feel, especially after they speak on it, um, that the recording sounds a bit thin compared to what you you know you get from Terra when you see them live and how thick and, like, strong their output is, you know? Yeah. I, I, I You know, just to speak to that again, just a bit, you know, you would think like, well, how did they let this get out if, if they weren't happy with it? But sometimes you just got to fucking be done with the project and just let it go. Um, but I would think that this is certainly a record that they could revisit and, you know, get the masters and give them to Paul and say, Hey, <laughs> you know, to Paul Miner and well, see if they I think, couldn't get something better out of it. I think they have. I think you're listening actually to the remastered stuff. <clears throat> so, oh, really? Yeah, I think so. Oh. I'm not even percent sure. Plus, so, there's an even worse version out there. <laughs> well, and I, ironically, Joe Paul engineered this. So, yeah, but uh, he no. What what's engineered? But then they took it to some guy who had a computer. Right. They, they right. had That's, somebody else do stuff to it and didn't. No, I know. Didn't That's just like leave it with in his capable hand. Right. That's why you it's kind of I mean? weird. Is like he actually yeah. was involved in the project and then, but he he wasn't able to like see it all the way through. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know who they had remaster it, but uh, I'm pretty sure because like they remastered all this stuff, right, Daniel? So the Spotify stuff would be the updated. I'm not. I would sure. think. Okay. I'm not sure. Maybe I'm totally wrong. Well, I, I don't think really necessarily a remaster. I mean, a remix of the of the yeah, original. Yeah, if you track. had the original. That's, that's shit. what I'm talking about. Yeah, if you yeah. had the original shit, who knows? Who it's knows? Because that that one dude in the L.A. area who had a computer. <laughs> yeah. Um, regarding the artwork, you know that movie Saw came out in '03, and this is like '04, <laughs> I think. Do you think that? Do you think that it's a little bit of Saw vibes? It. Uh... I just looked at it because I I didn't I didn't see the artwork till just now, so it's I looked at it. And I'm all, hey, that's the that's the God Money. Uh, oh, a little bit of that vibe too, huh? Plus he's got the yeah, same uh, haircut like as that Rick. To me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, it also looks like their their newly uh, added member Rich Thurston 
Rich Thurston is is tied up in this because it kind of looks like him a bit. I mean that he's a big dude, and I can't, yeah he, he he shaved his head. I think right. I can't really. Yeah, remember. he shaved his head out of beard. Yeah. 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 Um. So the, the the songs are great. I can see what they're saying about the recording. It still sounds better than a lot of other crappy hardcore that I've heard from this time. So sure, yeah, it still sounds great. But I, I get what they're saying that 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 it just wasn't a hundred percent what they were hoping for. Yeah, for sure. Um, now moving on to the next record, always the hard way. This is, uh, this is pretty interesting because, you know, Nick takes up the reins as like the main songwriter, but I liked yeah, that I he was, that was really, it's crazy, uh, right? Yeah. You know, especially as a drummer. And, but I, I liked that he was like, he was talking about like kind of being a student of the Todd Jones game. And he was like, yeah. oh, I would see that like, you know, <laughs> Todd kind of when he's here with his hand, like he goes here or here. You know, and so, and, but then if I'm here, I go here or here, you know, like that was pretty interesting that he was like, just kind of studying like the, the real rudimentary stuff of like stuff that came off good, you know, and just being a student of the game and then being able to pull off, like this record's really fucking good Um, to do this is like, oh, I'm just going to take a stab at songwriting. Like, that's kind of amazing. And, and I, you know, I don't know, I guess I should have asked in the interview, like how much he split, like the piece by piece songwriting with, uh, Corey. So like, I'm assuming he did a little bit of songwriting with piece by piece, but this is crazy to have to like get tossed into writing like the third terror LP. Like that's so <laughs> fucking wild. And the fact that he like knocked it out of the park is completely amazing. Well, he, it seemed like he didn't. He didn't need to talk him into it. He just said, I need to do this. Well, yeah, he had to do it, right, for the survival of the yeah. band. Right, um, yeah. But then if you think about it like that, too, is like that's even like more pressure, you know? Um, yeah. Wow. It's, it's just totally insane. And there's, there's songs off this record that are, you know, full-on terror classics that they still play. Um, I chose a couple songs that uh, I liked the most. But uh, you know, I didn't I didn't include the song Always the Hard Way, which is like always still like in their they they always play that still. It's like a, a full on terror hit. Um it's Yeah, so it's good. it's so good. But what I wanted to use here was Strike You Down, because I think it has one of the greatest fucking breakdowns in the history of all hardcore. And it's like almost a teaser breakdown too, because like it is so short. But like that attack on the beginning, like or whatever it is, like with the like doing the double kick on like the beginning of the riff, like yeah. oh my god, it's so good. I wish it went four times as long, you know. But it's like <laughs> I I just like I respect when people like write something super fucking dope and then don't milk it. You know, because, like, if I wrote some of that dope, I'm fucking milking it, you know? Right. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. But, like, they're just in and out. Like, oh, we wrote a sick end of the song, and we're out. What's up? You know, love it. And then uh, I loved uh, Nick talking about, like, having Eddie from Leeway come in and do this part and being, like, like taking it on more as, like, not, I'm not just doing a guest spot. I'm in and out. I don't really care. Like the fact that he like really connected with the song, 
like the lyrics really meant something to him and he like came in and like did his best and it's it's a fucking great part and to have like a, a legit hardcore legend like that come in and like bless you with like a like a guest spot like that that's fucking awesome um so yeah joe what do you have on this stuff well i just uh you know the recording sounds like the first record again. Well, not not exactly like it, but it has it has that fullness to it that I think they, that they expected. I don't think that they suffer losing Todd at all. It's different than Todd, but um, definitely not a suffer. That song "Strike You Down" was fucking badass. Like you said, the the, the double kick is fucking awesome. Well, hey, check that out. That's nice. Um, I, I appreciate that in hardcore when it's done, um, sparingly, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, cause that, that sounds good that way. Otherwise you're a metal band. You know, yeah. Because the that, whole fucking song. Right. Cause you're doing but, it, you're you doing know. it cause using this tool makes this song better. It's not like a yeah. guy dick waving, like check out what yeah. I can do. You know, it's literally right, right, like, right. here's a tool to make this part better. Yeah, yeah. And then the other song, uh, 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 So Close to Defeat, uh, I could definitely hear, you know, when when Nick was talking about that, he, okay, how would Todd do this? I can definitely hear that in this song more than more than the other one, more than Strike You Down. Um, definitely in this song. But there's just a slight difference in the way that he played it. Um. Well, he didn't play it on the record. Whoever I can't remember what, what guitarist this was. Carl. Um, Carl was played it. Carl. And I think yeah, Carl, Carl uh, was actually the bass player, but the best guitarist yeah. in the band. Right, right, right. Yeah, I'll, I got something about that in a second. But um, the uh, it, it's the way Todd would play the riff, except there's a little skip in it. That's um, I don't know how to explain that, but it just it there's a slight variation. So it makes it their own. They're, they're this new, um, the new tear. I, I don't know how to how to say that without being cliche, but uh, I, I really like it, especially the so close to defeat. That was my favorite song on on in out of all of these. Oh, rad! That yeah, rules. I really dug that song. Yeah, I lo- I love this stuff. I think it's their hardest, like meanest sounding stuff. Um, and maybe because you're taking a step back, like how I was saying in the beginning, it's like Tara was just full on like energy, energy, energy. And then now it's like yeah. with a, you know, with just, it's a different group right. of people a, crafting the song. Right. They can go into like, like that breakdown, I'll strike you down. You know, like that is a hard fucking part. Um, yeah. So I don't know. Um, Daniel, what do you think about this stuff? I mean, it's Tara. I'm, I'm, I'm a fan, but um, you know what? I like Eddie Leeway's voice on this more than I like it on any of the Leeway stuff. Like, and that's no not saying that I don't like the Leeway stuff. He just the way he sounds here, like you know, coming out the other end of of you know, kind of like a a tough life. It sounds so good. He's not like kind of warbling too high on it it's it it just sounds fantastic but um you know what a 
I mean, such a great record. Like, like test my convictions. Last of the diehards. Always the hard way. Um, smash through you. Like all of those are fucking great. So it was, you know, hard to to settle for the two songs, but the two ones that you gave us like to comment on, um, I mean, they're unfuckwithable. Like the recording is great. His voice sounds great. Unimaginatic. Um, you know, exactly. <laughs> it, that, it's like, I the way I would sum up a, a perfect terror song is like if you had noodles and smell <laughs> on the same track. Um, no, for real, like... Sorry, Terror. I think this is so amazing that... Um, you know, Nick picked up the reins and just went for that bu- it. That boggles my fucking mind. I also think that so they're right about yeah. all, they're right about always the hard way, and they're right about um, one with the underdogs. If they just cut maybe like get it down to eleven songs or twelve songs, like it even probably increases the just goatness of these records. And I agree with Scott. Like finding like such a classic album cover it's very 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 iconic um using something from you know post renaissance like painting like to echo best wishes or to echo the Warzone uh seven inch version that has the george stubbs lion eating the horse uh picture on it like it it marries really well with a certain friend of hardcore i feel yeah yeah this record is fucking brutal dude um you say it's the soundtrack to noodles trying to stage dive and just biting it into the fucking barrier (laughs) you know so uh but yeah this record is fucking great um let's go on to their fourth record which is really like if you're hardcore and you're doing like like this is hardcore with no melody like at least no vocal melody right and so to do a fourth LP, like you're really stepping into like royalty territory at this point, you know? And to think that this is only like, we're only going to do half their catalog on this show. And I only did half the catalog on the first pod. Like it just goes to show how special this band is um, and how awesome. And another thing that I, I love about this story is in the two thousands recording technology is evolving and it's such an interesting time because like when Tara does their demo, they're recording in Nick's folks house. Like they had this studio like built out in the side room and Nick is recording on a tape. So like, he's still like recording onto the reels and like the old way. And by this record, Nick talks about, they went into the studio and they hadn't even jammed any of these songs together. Like he literally wrote everything like in his computer and so if you just think about how much things have evolved now between the 2002 and then this record comes out in 2008, that's insane. The technological advances in six years, you know, like this record couldn't exist without that. Cause like their touring schedule was so gnarly. And so that's like the way that they wrote this record. Um, I think it's really interesting. And 
you know, I know that this is a Patreon pod, so everyone's listened to most of the episodes, but um, if you listen to the podcast that I did with Roger, um, so like his podcast, and then I believe on the retaliate podcast, we talk a lot about like the, uh, like the uh, evolution of like recording technology. And he's a great guy that breaks it down really well, just like Nick did. Um, but yeah, this is, this is really cool. Um, they talk about this being like kind of a, a lower part for terror or a lower time. Um, but this song betrayer is like, I think one of their best songs, but they are like, they're punching some boundaries now. Like, you know, like the breakdown part, like they go to like an acoustic part. that's like kind of like a little emotional. And then when like the guitar comes back in with the palm muting, that part is so fucking heavy. Um, the only thing I, I almost wish that they, they milked the, uh, like the acoustic part, like a little longer, but then again, like we're saying the greatness of terror is that they don't milk shit. They're fucking in and out, like write a classic part and we're moving on, you know? So, uh, that's that. And then the let me sink. I just, I think that song is really cool. Um, again, Scott is one of the best vocalists of all time. And so anytime you get to hear someone like do acapella type stuff, it's pretty interesting to like isolate it and to get to hear it in its rawest. I won't say this is a comparison. Um, and I won't even say that I like, I'm a huge fan of Van Halen, but I, I do sometimes listen to, uh, I'll go and listen to that David Lee Roth doing Panama, um, acapella just cause like, I think it's so interesting. Like the things you can learn because like, you know, his voice sounds raging on the recording, but then when you listen to it, acapella, it's like, fuck, he's, he's so like honed into this like little box and he's only like, he's really honing his voice in. And then he's just like sprinkling you with these like little flashes of tools and brilliance that he has. Um, and so I, I love that. <laughs> That's the David Lee Roth shit. But like Vogel hearing him like acapella, it's like, it's just kind of cool to like really hear that like his voice is an instrument in this band. I mean, he is one of the reasons, obviously, why this band is so great. Um, and so I, I like hearing it that way. And that's why I chose these two songs. Um, Joe, what do you have on this stuff? Well, you said a lot of stuff I was going to say. I, I had a bunch of that stuff and in here. I love when um, people agree with me, so it's all good. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, Betrayer has a great breakdown. Uh, let me sink. Um, I really like the the dropouts during the chorus, and then the big dropout during the transition to the bridge is fucking super cool. Um, the songs are are they're, they're a good pace, they're a good length. Um, the lyrics for uh, let me sink, I really I, I think those are my favorite lyrics uh, out of these songs here. Um, although, but although uh, uh, my rage just probably uh yeah it's a toss up between those two but um yeah 217 and 233 i was looking at the times really quick uh the length of each song so that's you know that's a great hardcore song length uh i don't know and you're right that uh his voice is uh it's always great like it doesn't, it, there's there's no dropout. Um, 
the one thing that bugs me, and it might be, it, it's not it's not as noticeable on the first records, but it's noticeable on these ones. And the, you know, he, uh, uh, I think they all kind of mentioned it that one person will end up playing all the instruments, all the stringed instruments, you know, in the studio, and it sounds like it. Mm. And that bugs me. God, I just don't have the ear oh. for that. Yeah. Because everything is super, 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 super precise. Gotcha. And I know that's a thing in, in, in hardcore, and that's okay. But I appreciate the, um, you know, I come from a sloppy punk rock background. So, so I appreciate that in the music as well. So I like to hear that sometimes in the songs as well where the bass player and the guitarist don't sound exactly the same you know i mean they're playing the same notes but they're just not playing at the same chop you know you know what i'm trying to say well absolutely there's it's it's a yeah. it's a hard line to walk um between precision and personality yeah you know yeah. and and that's yeah. really what everyone's trying to find is is that perfect and it's not, that perfect balance it, this isn't, yeah this isn't talking shit about the way they do that. It, that's totally fine. I just, it's something that I noticed. So um, <laughs> I think you, but, have, you have one of the, that's that episode one ear right there. Holy shit. <laughs> that's, that's insane. I never thought about that, but uh, well, I listened to these songs like, I don't know, 300 times over the past couple weeks. Yeah. Preparing for this. So Tara super fan episode one. I'm, I'm legend. I might be becoming that. Dude, they're so good. That's like the whole fucking point of this thing is like, let's, well, well it's like, okay, it, it's like you got to die for people to say nice things about you, right? Like, yeah. you know, it's like, whoa, why can't we tell our, our friends when they're alive the shit we say when they fucking die? You yeah. know? And why can't we appreciate bands that are still around and still kicking ass that they're fucking great now? You know, like, you know, I like I I did a band like in control. Like people, more people liked us when we broke up. You know, right. and it's like, well, if all you guys liked us back then, we probably wouldn't have broken up. <laughs> you know, so, <laughs> so I mean, that's that's kind of the point. Is like, while you have this awesome band like Tarragon, and still like, I mean, their last two albums that they put out are two of my favorite records. Like they have not fallen off, and if you go see Terra live, I mean. Yeah, we'll they're, get to that for the next pod. Yeah, I mean, they're fucking insane. Like, still, they're schooling everyone. So, like, yeah. I just think it's like, let's appreciate some of the things that are going now and support them and push them and, and say that, like, you know, greatness isn't always, like, what happened before. And, you know, what's brand new and hot isn't always, like, the greatest thing. Sometimes, you know, things that are around right now have tons of merit you know and i just yeah. think that like yeah you know they've been a band for fucking 18 years now like and to be as awesome as they are today is fucking insane and we should just be really appreciative that they're still they're still around and still like totally relevant and still putting out amazing music um so yeah 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 uh daniel what do you got on this stuff um what I find interesting is, you know, like 
so Nick says that he, he approached this record in a very formulaic way, like let's build the perfect hardcore record on my computer, you know, while on tour with Scott kind of giving him direction, sending him a riff from this song or a part from this song, or even just a vibe from something else being like, I want something like this in a song, you know? So then Nick takes it back to his mobile lab and kind of does it. And the song Betrayer is like, probably they listen to integrity like four or five (laughs) drives in a row. And Nick just posted up in the, hotel room and just did an integrity worship song almost you know like all of that clean guitar with the with the um kind of for lack of a better term solo and stuff it's so like integ you know and then it it comes in hard as shit just like that and but it's a terror version of it it's not like just paint by numbers integrity you know it's the same way that Unbroken loved Integrity and then did their own version of Integrity, you know? Um, And and then the other song, like the lyrics to it, like touching on what was said in the podcast of basically perhaps the partying going too far and starting to affect outside life a little bit. Um this song kind of just sums it up. Like, I think, you know, and I'm not going to, I'm not going to say whether I know things or don't or anything like that. But if you read these lyrics, you can think that Scott potentially had a relationship crumble by being on the road and kind of just partying his brains out aka just being wasted do you know what i mean like it's this is like almost a letter of ad- admission of yeah i'm i'm fucking up and i need to i need to turn it around the thing is though it, and, in, it ends positive feel though. Sorry for- yeah that's how it starts though but then it ends positive and that's what i like about it is like yeah it's it, a has, false it cycle. has a line that, it has a line at the end that says i won't allow myself to be beat but up until that point, it's like, I'm fucking up. Don't ask me if I'm okay, because I'm not. And, you know, just leave me be. I'm just going to fucking sink to the bottom. And then at the very end, he just says, you know what? It's time to make a change, you know, essentially. Yeah. But with one line, you know, which is really awesome and, you know, a, a ray of light through it. But it is a, it's a heavy song. Like, sonically and lyrically yeah. and I, I think it's beautifully written for within the parameters of what a terror song would be do you know what i mean like how straightforward and aggressive oh the lyrics kind of have to be to match the sound i think it is showing a level of vulnerability that you don't see very much in their songs and i think it's uh it's it's one of his finest lyrical moments for sure. Yeah, I agree. And that's why I plucked it out. Um, that's why I liked it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that this is one of his lyrical gems, you know? Yeah. You know, I mean, I think, I think um, harder, harder songs and harder songwriters and stuff. 
when they do show some vulnerability and stuff, it can be really like, it can really let you into their world even a little bit more than you would from wanting to, you know, break down walls for a lot of the other things like the way the music and the lyrics match your aggression at, at the world. But when they show this, you know, open the heart a little bit, it allows you to, you know, I think it sets a great example for a lot of people that would be listening to this kind of music that are very hard people that it shows like you can check in with yourself and you can, you can process your own feelings and stuff. And I think that's fantastic. Yeah. And it's, it's brilliant lyrics the way that like, you know, he's saying like, don't ask me if I'm okay. Just let me sink. But then you take yeah. it, you actually take it is it's him opening up, you know? Cause like that first, the initial lyrics are basically like, I'm completely shut off. Go fuck yourself. You know? Yeah. But it is like by saying that stuff in the way he does, it is like showing a vulnerability, which he touches on in the rest of the lyrics. That's why I like, yeah, without you know, doubt. yeah, it's just, it's such a, it's a good standout. Well, I, I think it, it, the duality of that is what makes it so good. This is a letter to you to let me get this off my chest without, you actually asking me about it because I'm not ready to talk about it yet. You know, don't yeah. ask me if I'm okay. Let me think. But here I'm actually telling you about it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And someone that like can be introspective and knows that like, I got to work on myself. Like I know what I got to do. I just got to fucking do it. I got to put one foot in front of the other, you know, but yeah, no one can do it for me. Definitely. But I think the let me think part, that the song, like if I'm really going to psychoanalyze it, I think the don't ask me if I'm okay, let me sing. I haven't hit bottom yet. I haven't hit the point where I need to turn it around. So just let me figure this out myself. I know I'm, I'm wallowing in my own misery. And when I hit, you know, basically when it comes to the end of the song, I won't let this beat me. You know, like I've hit bottom and now it's time to raise up, you know. That is the kind of shit you Patreons deserve. What's up, motherfuckers? You know? <laughs> yeah, love it. Love it. Um, yeah, so that's the first four terror records. And uh, I'm going to do a part two um, in the next couple weeks. And it'll air in a couple months because um, it takes me a long time to put these together. <laughs> but uh, But yeah, so there will be a part two. Um, coming out sometime and then uh do you guys have anything else to touch on with the terror stuff before we talk about potential other projects in this format how do you feel about the uh artwork for the damn and the shame oh, no. yeah um is is very of the time yeah yeah i i think that's a good way of putting it because <laughs> it, it, it is it is um when you actually look at the art and stuff, it's it's cool, but it it does have a late two thousands like kind of where lots of bands were in that kind of frame. Yeah, it's kind of like you're doing the flash art with a twist. Yeah, the nouveau uh, neo traditional right tattoo art. Yeah, yeah. So that's cool. 
Um, but I, I don't think it's classic or anything like that. But I, I mean, it's just, it's, uh, I don't know, an average record cover. Yeah, for a above average record. Yeah. I, I mean, I would say that. Where do you so? Where do you rank this record in the terror records, Daniel? Um, maybe five. Okay, maybe six, five or six. Yeah. So for me, this is number seven. So okay, yeah. Um, and I still like it. And that's like the that's the testament to terror, right? It's like if this yeah. is in in my opinion, if this is your seventh best record, and I really like it, like well, you're doing something right, you know? Yeah, I think I need to spend more time with "Live by the Code" and more time with the twenty fifth hour. Yes, um, I I like the twenty fifth hour a lot, and I like Total Retaliation a lot. Uh, I like. I like the first song off that is just top 10 terror song, you know? Yeah. We'll believe we'll get into all yeah, that we'll on the next one. That. Um, yeah. yeah. And then we can do our, maybe we'll do a terror ranking too. We'll see that. That just, I don't know. I don't, I don't like the idea. Cause I, I feel weird. Like saying this is like my second to least favorite terror record. Right. Cause like, it seems like you're lowballing it when I really like it. It just is a testament to how great some of the stuff right, is. Everything else is. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so we should do a, a super seven of, of terror songs. We all have to put together our terror uh, mix. Maybe we should, maybe we will. So, uh, yeah. Okay. So that'll, that'll wrap up the terror part. So we're talking about possibly doing, uh, first off a project that you will be involved with Daniel, which is doing this format for a deep dive into, uh, the making of life, love or Garrett, Correct. Yeah, that would be amazing. So, and and I think everyone's on board. Everyone from Run Broken, um, and yeah, we'll figure out how we're going to do it. Um, but that'll be a project that we will take on only if you patrons write me and say you want to hear it. Otherwise, I don't want to do it. It just takes too much fucking <laughs> time. Um, yeah, and then same because Joe, a project we've been kicking around is doing the same thing, like a deep dive on the making of what happens next by ill repute. Ill repute. Yep. So that's another one that we're kicking yeah. around. So I got you, them all, but they're all bought in for that. So, uh, yeah, yeah. So, so everyone's bought in, um, again, patrons, let us know if that's something you're interested in. If you are, we well, will do as it. A Patreon. As a Patreon, I will tell you that this was very listenable. Um, and what what's kind of interesting and kind of a bummer, but whatever, is that kind of members of Terror kind of usurped this amazing project by putting out, like, info. But I don't think things were covered in even their own pods as well as they were covered on this um, Terror project, you know, so the validity of, of you putting this together and asking the right questions and coming outside of their camp to see what, you know, kind of things we would be interested in. You know, there were some really fascinating things we learned in this, like how Frank left the band and how that sent Scott spiraling and like 
basically fuck everyone and everything. You know, you know where that lyric is coming from. Jesus. <laughs> Even though it was written before it, but you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he probably put on his headphones and listened to that song 15 times in a row, huh? Yeah, just because um, it, it, uh, you know, that that is a big thing. You got this steam engine just going down the tracks and then someone puts Dynabite on them, you know? You're like, fuck, we're back to square one again. Yeah. But Martini stepped in and fucking, I can't even think, well, I can't think of terror without him, but I when I think of terror, I see Martine on stage, you know, yeah, I mean, what a powerhouse to have in the band, you know, and he's had the longevity of starting um I think right before this, the damn the shamed, and then being in ever since, and like yeah. again, it's like it's like you're saying, Daniel, obviously we've seen terror without him, but I mean the dude his his backup vocals on stage, like. Yeah. How Scott says, like, he's so fucking tight and never fucks up. Like, I mean, what a fucking MVP. You know what I mean? And yeah. so I can understand the concern of losing, you know, obviously a dude like Frank, who's like, you know, coming from Ringworm and then doing Terror and then going on to Hatebreed. But, uh, you know, to get Martin is, is ill. And I, I liked him, uh, you know, not wanting to approach the situation the same way and going and talking to uh to Martin's brother and Donnybrook, you know, and saying, yeah. you know, I don't I don't want to do the same thing to you. Are you okay with this? And then having like his full support. Like that was a that was a nice yeah. piece. That's class. Yeah. yeah, definitely. And what was <laughs> somewhat like now you can laugh in hindsight, what was amusing was that Martin was breaking it to Scott that Frank wasn't in the band. You know, like that's yeah, the that's first shot. <laughs> that was crazy. Yeah, that was wild. Yeah. Um, Very telenovela. <laughs> yeah, and what they've been putting together is really cool. Like they hang out in the garage and and shooting the shit and talking lots of details. I love it. Um, but this yeah. is a, this is an outside perspective. And, uh, you know, one thing that you won't get from this pod maybe um, that I was trying to do. It's just, I fucked up a lot because it was the first time I approached something this way is like my initial like goal was to not be on this pod at all. Like, so hopefully on the second terror, yeah, I guess you'll find out if I succeed or not because on the second terror pod. And then if we do the life love regret or the, what happens next, you should not hear my voice at all if I do a good job. So like basically anytime that you hear me talk on these pods means I fucked up and didn't like set up the question properly that they like, they were answering in a way that I couldn't tell the story without inserting myself. Um, so that was like the one huge mistake that I realized like after doing this, um, that I had done, but live and learn. So what can you do? I I thought it very listenable and very, uh, had me hooked like as a terror fan and as, a fan of documentaries in general, you know, it, it, I, I would find this interesting if I didn't really know that much about the band anyway. Well, I appreciate that. And, and hopefully episode one enjoyed it as well. I did. I did. I really did. You, you, you knocked it out of the park with this. I like the format. I don't think it's a bad thing that your voice is in there. You know, I mean, that's kind of, 
it helps lead the, the the person, the layman like myself, down the you know th- through the path of where where it's going. Um, I I appreciate it for one, but it, you know I. It, your idea is great too to, to have your voice removed completely and just let them tell the whole story. Right. If I set it up a little better, they will. Um, it's just like, I, I don't know. I never, I, you know, it's just, this wasn't, it was mapped out <laughs> to the most, my fucking simpleton brain could like map something <laughs> out. And so of course you learn lessons after you do it. Like, you know, I would, I would ask a question like, so you guys recorded uh Lois Lowe at Mars studio in Cleveland. And then every, you know, all three guys that asked would be like, yeah, we went there and like did this and that. And it's like, fuck, I can't take myself out now. Like, why didn't I just ask, like, where did you record this record? Like, it's okay. I don't know. It's like, I don't, I don't need to be dropping facts. Like I can just let them drop the facts. That was like where I fucked up. So, but yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think it kills the, the podcast. I'm just saying like, those are, those are little things where, I'm going to learn from this and hopefully the next time you get like an experience where you get to hear 185 miles South, your favorite fucking podcast, but you don't even have to listen to me. Like how good is that? Jesus, you know, be fucking awesome. I'll pay a monthly fee for that. <laughs> <laughs> me too. All right. But uh, yeah, everyone, thanks so much for supporting the podcast. It is much appreciated. I hope you guys enjoyed this. Um, I keep trying to push the boundaries um, just because I love you guys. You know, I appreciate the patrons. You guys are the reason why this pod is still going. Um, I'm not lying when I say that. Like literally if I was, lo- I would not lose money for a year, like period, you know? And so the pod breaks even pretty close. Um, and that is what it is. I, it's much appreciated. I appreciate you guys. Um, and gals to a person and uh, thanks so much for the support. And again, uh, all your feedback is always welcome. You can hit me up through the Patreon or you can email me 185 miles South at gmail.com or hit me up through social media. Um, the Gmail is always best just because you can get a little more long form and it's a place where like, it's easy for me to come back to. If you hit me up through Instagram or something like shit, just gets like, kind of wash the Lost. bottom yeah it gives wash to the bottom so i respond to everything but uh you know also that's harder for me to type on the you know on my phone i'd rather just like email you back if you want like a a nice long response but uh yeah appreciate everything and uh send us questions for future podcasts all that shit um yeah love you all thank you very much and uh, we'll talk to you oh. pretty soon what you, you got something to say joe no, I said, go. Oh, go. <laughs> <laughs>